time. But you know how sometimes the Lord kind of confirms things at the last minute that thanks for listening. We're going to talk about Martha and Mary. And one of the words in there in Luke 10 is that Martha, Martha, you're cumbered about or distracted with a load of care. And our second song was, are you cumbered with that burden? So, and then the last song we just had, the heart of worship, it's all about you, Jesus. And that's what this is. And there goes our church of tomorrow. And uh, it's just great to, to have all of that going on. It's all about the heart of worship, and it is all about Jesus. We're here to worship Him. And so, the Berean chapters, for those who, who don't really know what that is, you know, the Bereans were noble because they searched the Scriptures daily to see what was taught was the truth. And so, this is something that these chapters reflect the lesson today. And this week, you can check them out if you want to. It'll help you grow, help you grow in faith and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And ask you to please be in prayer for everyone that's on our list. And uh, to uh, we got two folks right here that just had a birthday. Do you want me to sing happy birthday or just go on? Yeah, come on up here. Yeah, it was Sharon Earl. I was just looking at Sharon. Sharon, you want to come up here? <laughs> He's thinking, oh man, I missed it. Yeah. Huh? We're just happy. Yes. You'll have to sing it because I don't know that one. Okay. To, to salute his mother, Ron wants to lead the Christian happy birthday song. Happy birthday to you every day of the year. You feel he's a sneer. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Amen. So happy birthday, you guys. <laughs> My daughter's is is back there, and she's going to be here on hers, and I can already see she's saying, uh-uh, <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> All right. Are you ready to worship the Lord and break open His Word? Let's, let's go to our Father in prayer, and we normally have a silent at first so that you can pray and prepare your heart for the worship and the Word, and then I'll close this out and we'll begin. Father, we stand in awe of being in your presence. You say where even two or three are gathered together, I'm among you. And 
And as we've gathered together as the body of Christ in this community, Father, we, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your son, Jesus, that you spared not, that you allowed to come to this earth and to die as the sacrifice for our sins. And so, Father, we worship you today and we, we worship him and we pray that your spirit will be here with us and that he dwells within each one of us and that it will help us to understand the things of your word so that we can take those things with us and that it prepares us for life and for what goes on in life. And then also, Father, with that knowledge of the promise that one day, because you raised him by your power, that one day you're going to raise all of us up too so that we can spend eternity worshiping and praising you I can see the way your word describes it now as all of those heavenly beings up there right now singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Father, prepare our hearts for worship. Prepare our minds for learning. Let these seeds of faith sink deep into us, Father, so that we can grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we we thank you for your word and what you're going to do through it and for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you want to go to Luke chapter 10, that's where we're going to begin with. And while you're turning there, I want to emphasize that, that I always try to teach and always try to share that there's nothing more important for your life than the word of God. And knowing it and its promises and what he has for you. And the Lord himself even demonstrated that in his life. For if you'll remember, the first thing that happened after he was baptized by John in the river Jordan, the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. And he faced all kinds of temptations during that time of fasting and prayer and he's one time he was so hungered that Satan said if you're the son of God why are you hungry take these stones and turn one of them into bread so that you can eat and he said man doesn't live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God so that's what's important for us. It was important for him in this life here. It's important for us. In Psalm 119, verse 11, this is exactly what Jesus portrayed there when it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Job said it. He was going through all kinds of trials in his life. And he said this in chapter 23 and verse 12. He said, I have not departed from the commands of his lips, and I have treasured the words of his mouth even more than my daily bread. And Proverbs 30 and verse 5 says that every word of God is flawless, and here's a promise. He is a shield and a refuge for those who come to him. So we have these precious promises of the word of God. They not only build us up, they strengthen us in our times of trouble, in our weakness, and we hide it in our hearts so that we do not sin against Him. So now, as an example of this from the Bible, I want to take you to two ladies, Martha and Mary. 
who are there in the, in, the, in the Bible as an example of how faith... We've talked about Gideon last couple of weeks and how that seed of mustard faith grew in, within him to be a warrior. Now we have two young ladies who are... I say young, it doesn't say how old they are, so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. They're all young. These, these young ladies here, they're growing in their faith. And I want you to see how much that by being at the feet of Jesus led to being able to handle tragic things in their life. So, they live in a town called Bethany. It's not far from Jerusalem. Probably one and three quarters of a mile, almost two miles away. And how Jesus met them, we're not told. I don't know if it was on one of his trips as he goes back and forth on his teachings that he ran across them and they made acquaintance or if it was while they were young and they were going to the temple to worship on the feast days and they ran across the path. I, I, I don't know. All I know is, is by the time they're introduced to us here in Luke chapter 10, it seems like they're comfortable with each other, that they're well acquainted and that she feels free to open up her house to them so that they can come in and to have a meal with her and she's going to take care of them. And I want you to see that the Word of God presents them three times of Jesus crossing their path. And these three times is a progression, actually, of their faith and growing in that Word of God. I feel that it's taken us in that direction. So let's take a look at this as we go. We're in Luke chapter 10 now, and our story begins down about verse 38. And Jesus there in this chapter has already sent out the 70, and they've came back with their report, and it filled his spirit with goodness on what was reported. And so then, like always happens, I told you last week, every time there's a victory, you're usually going to get a setback. There's usually something to try to pop that bubble that you got. And this lawyer come up to him and started asking him some questions and said, you know, uh, how is it that I'm going to have eternal life? And Jesus has to tell him, and he says, you know, love the Lord your God. He says, hey, all of that stuff I've did, but tell me who's my neighbor. So Jesus gives him the parable of the Good Samaritan. And immediately after that, I don't know why, but immediately after all of this, we get five verses just stuck in this chapter about Mary and Martha. No mention of Lazarus right here, just Mary and Martha. And it says this, that whenever after all of this had happened, that he and his disciples entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And in verse 39 it says, that she also had a sister that was called Mary, and she was at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. And right off the bat, we learn a little bit, a couple of things about these two ladies. We learn that they're acquainted, that it, the, the word of God is particular. It says, a certain house, a certain village, a certain woman. So this is a... A rendezvous that needed to take place. And it's something that needed to be for you and I to learn from. And so she's comfortable. She brings him into the house. And I don't know about you. I'm going to look around real close to make sure she didn't sneak back in from the kids. I don't see my wife anywhere. (laughs) Don't tell her I told you this, okay? I don't know about you, but I married a Martha. I married a Martha in that 
particular. You know, if someone's going to come visit, or if like you have dinner next weekend at home afterwards, or you have an Easter egg hunt, or if you have uh, family come in for Christmas or Thanksgiving, guess what happens? Particular. Don't let anyone in to see my house the way it is right now. Right? <laughs> I've got to clean it up. I've got to sweep. I've got to mop. I've got to put away the dirty dishes. I've got to have everything just right. I've got to have the table settings. And she's usually giving out chores to us, right? Clean your room. To go sweep out the garage. Get the back porch ready. I see some grins. I think there's some other folks in here that married some Marthas. But that's Martha. Martha is busy. Martha is doing. And she is like that. She's she's opened her house up. Here's the Savior. Man, everybody's learning about Him. There could be all kinds of people following Him. I want the house in order. I want it ready for presentation when people come. And so she's busy with that. It says actually in verse 40 that the King James says cumbered and the New King James says distracted. It says, but Martha was cumbered or distracted with much serving. Now, she's doing all the things that we just talked about. Getting the house straight, swept, dusted. She's probably give Mary some things to do too. She's probably told Lazarus, just stay away and go someplace so that you don't mess things up. And so that's why he's not here right now. Just trying to set the scene for you. It says she's cumbered about with all of this. But you know what happens? She's, she's making Lamburger Helper. I came up with that one. <laughs> so she might be making some Lamburger Helper for, for Jesus and the disciples as they're coming. And she's getting all busy with this and, and veggies and bread. She's got all kinds of irons in the fire. That word for cumbered or distracted means in a positive sense, you've got all your bases covered. Everything around about's good. But in a negative sense like this, when you've got all of this anxiety going, it means you're getting tugged from every direction. She's got all of these irons in the fire. Everything's happening with her. And she didn't notice until now that Mary is sitting over there at the feet of Jesus. She's not doing what she's supposed to do. She's over there. That's, that's her idea and way of thinking things. She thinks, look at what's going on. And she's sitting there smiling. Jesus is talking with her. And I'm doing all the work. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that that can lead to some little mental irritation and aggravation, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I'm doing all, and can you feel it? Can you feel the pressure cooker beginning? I've seen a couple of the the ladies going, yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Nope, (laughs) nope. We're going to offer you a chance to pray for that, man. (laughs) I'm just kidding you. But yeah, you you see what's going on. She's got this pressure cooker going. And she's like, "Mm, I've told her. And you can see that mental agitation and irritation starting to seep out. And it's, it's getting ready to go on. And, and you bet you this is going to happen. I'm working, she's doing nothing. And she's getting all the attention. 
And I'm not getting none of this attention. Okay, keep your poker faces on. This has happened with you too. It's happened with me a lot. And usually that mental irritation starts building up into an outward expression. The first thing is probably some pots and pans or something banging a little bit to try to get your attention before she has to holler at you. And then if you don't get the message from that, pretty soon it's like, didn't I tell you, what are you supposed to be doing, right? So now that's where she's at. She can't take the pressure anymore. So going on in verse 40 there in the middle, it says that Martha can't take it anymore, so she goes up to the Lord. And she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone and therefore tell her to help me? It's finally came out. She didn't get the hint, so she marches right over there in front of her, and the Lord says, Lord, don't you even care? Sometimes, I think my problems and my issues and my busyness needs to, that the Lord ain't handling them the way I want Him to sometimes, you know it? Sometimes I want it quicker, I want it faster, I want a different answer, I want a different way. And so you go before the Lord again and you take those things to Him. She goes up there, Lord, you're not getting the picture. She's not getting the picture. Tell her to help me. I'm all by myself trying to prepare this for you. I'm trying to do this for you. Can you get her motivated to come? So now, do you not care? You know, she really stepped over her boundary with that one. Because in the original, it's an imperative mood. And that means it's a command or a demand. So now she has got so worked up that she's actually demanding this in the tone and the way she says it. Lord, you tell her to do this and to help me out. Oh, going to see a couple of things from Jesus now. First off is he loves us. He loves us so much and he's patient. I mean, he could have really set her in her place, demanding of him something. But he sits back and he doesn't. He doesn't get all over her. Here's what he says. He's very restrained as he goes to admonish her in this situation. You see, he he understands. He knows everything. God is omniscient. He knows the front from the back, the beginning from the end. He knows all about you, your problem, the situation that's going on. And he knows what's going to happen. And he's just waiting. And he's very patient here. And he goes to her and he says, now this. He goes, Martha, Martha. Very patient. I know that you are worried and troubled about with so many things. Yeah, he understands. He's got a perfect knowledge of it. And he knows what's going on. And he also knows what's going on with the other folks that might be irritating you. He knows both sides of the story where we might only know our side of the story and we don't understand the other and so we're taking a wrong direction with this. But he says, Martha, Martha, I know you're worried. You're troubled about with these many things. But Mary, or whatever it is you and I are dealing with in life, she she is sitting here and she is doing something that is good. 
you're a great servant, Martha. You're going about to try to prepare this for me and to do for me. And you do such great service for me. But here's the point I think Jesus is saying when he says, but there's one thing that is necessary, one thing that is needed, and she has chosen this better part, so I am not going to take it away from her. And I think a message that's hidden there for you and I is this. What it says that is Mary, see, she's been sitting at the feet of Jesus learning. That's a technical biblical term. Did you know that? What that means when it says that she's sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening means class is in session. The teacher is in. If you'll remember that Paul back in in the book of Acts, I think it's around chapter 22, he talked about his education and how he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. That's where he learned his education. Technical term that means classes in, the teacher is teaching, and that's where you should have been. Because here's the biggest thing. She kept listening while Martha got up and was distracted by the things in life that kept her from worship, that kept her from understanding what was really going on. Things in life build up. Pressures, people, jobs, bills, things build up in life. Houses you're trying to put in. Things come in and we, we get busy with things. And he says, slow down a little bit. <laughs> slow down a little bit. Take the time to smell the aroma of worship and being with me and spending time with me. Don't, don't keep doing that. He says, the focus of our service, and here's the thing between the two of them. He says, the word of God is the one thing that is necessary. And I think what he's saying is, what I have done for you is more important than what you can do for me. (laughs) Going to break out in song. (laughs) What he's saying is, is what I can do for you in these situations is much more important and powerful than what you can do for me. The focus of our service is worship. And must always be what the Lord has done for us, not what we're doing for Him. That's our focus. Not what I'm doing for Him, but what He has done for us. And that then causes us in love to serve back because of what He has done for us. There's nothing wrong with service at all. It's necessary. We, we need it. But it's the focus and the priority that goes about it with it. And He says, take the time to listen to me. Learn my word. Learn my promises that you can have it in your life because there's going to be things that come along in life that's going to to test you to the end. And you're going to need me and this knowledge of my word to help you through those things because you know what's going to happen? The next time that we see these sisters is in John chapter 11 if you want to turn there with me. John chapter 11 is the next time and this begins with Lazarus of Bethany, the brother of Martha and Mary, who we've just been talking about, was sick. Now, do you see the progression that we're taking here? There's some things important for life that you're going to need. 
So he's sick. And then it says this, I want you to learn the promises. So they call for him. How are you going to handle it? Lazarus is sick and the sisters send word to Jesus. The one whom you love is sick. They're distraught and they're calling for help. And God has knowledge of everything and what's going to happen. And same thing in our life. He knew what was going to happen with Lazarus. And he was preparing the way. And so he stays there for an extra couple of days. And then he tells the disciples, now it's time for us to go and to see what we can do because Lazarus has passed on. This is to glorify God and to glorify the Son of Man, what is taking place. And so now they go to Bethany so that Jesus can put on display who he is, Emmanuel, God with us. And so he arrives at Bethany down there in verse 17, and Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days, and the folks are gathered around at the house of Mary and Martha to comfort them and to console them through this that's going on. And word comes to Martha that, Jesus was coming and she goes out to meet him and Mary's still sitting at home and Martha she says to Jesus Lord if you would have been here my brother would not have passed on but I know that God hears you and that even to now at this time that he would answer your prayer that you would have for my brother Jesus replies back and says Martha your brother will rise again And she said, I know that, Lord. I know that in the resurrection that he will rise again on the last day. You know what I'm wondering? What was it he was teaching in Luke 10? Do you think it's about, I am the power, the life, and the resurrection? I am the Son of God. I am going to have to go to the cross and to die for your sins. But behold, the power of God's going to raise me up one day and then... Whenever a time comes in that last day, I'm going to raise you up as well. You think that might have been what he was teaching to prepare for a situation like this? I wonder, because look at her reply back. Lord, I know, knowledge, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection the last day. She's got some doctrine going. She's been listening. She must have stopped what she was doing and sat down there and took that time to now learn and to gain some things. And she says... Yes, I am. You're the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live again. There should be some amens right there. We're going to live again, folks. It ain't about this life. We're going to live again. He's going to raise us up with him. And he says, In all of this, I want you to look what happens next now. Because of knowledge of the Word of God and the promise of God for our life, what does she say? This is the most beautiful confession of faith that I have ever seen. Under duress, under hardship, under grief and stress, she says this, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, And that you have come into this world for us. Is that not a beautiful confession of faith going through all of that? Then she runs off. Here's what jumped out at me. She runs off. She goes to her sister Mary who's back at the house. And you know what she says to Mary? 
You know what she says to Mary? She doesn't say, the master is here. The Lord is here. Who does she say is here? Teacher! The teacher is here. How important has the word of God become in her life now? And those promises. When you start going through things, that's the only thing that you can rely upon, folks. It's, it's the rock that we stand upon. And she says, the teacher is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, Mary jumped up and she quickly went to Jesus and all the people that was in the house saw that she had ran out. And so they say, oh, she's going to go to weep at the tomb. So they want to go and follow and to comfort her some more. And so they follow out. But this is all for the glory of God. That's why everyone's coming out because Jesus wants to show who he is before he goes to the cross here real soon. So they go follow, and Jesus is there waiting. And she falls down at his feet and worships, and she says again, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Both of those are confessions of faith that her and her sister made on the power that he had and the power of God to heal and to save. So... Now Jesus groans within his spirit, and he says, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come see. And as, as they're going, and as he's getting there, there's some mockers in the crowd. There's always going to be mockers. There's always going to be people trying to tear you down, trying to ruin your faith, trying to, to not let you get to see the power of God in your life. They're going to mock and say, He healed some blind people. Does he not have the power then to have saved him from dying? Why did that happen if this is God's son and he's so powerful? Uh, Let the mockers mock because guess what's going to happen in a minute? He's going to show them the answer. So they're all saying that while they're, they're going and Jesus gets to the tomb and there's a great stone that was laid beside of it and he finds a couple of young strong men and he says, Move the stone. Take it away. Take the stone away. Martha says, oh Lord. But he said, no. Take it away. Trust in me. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? You got to trust in me and believe in me that it's going to be okay, right? Okay. So when they moved the stone, Jesus lifted up his eyes into heaven. And he said, Father, I thank you. I know that you always hear me, but I'm praying to you so that all those who are around here will know who you are and what you can do and that they will see your power and your glory unleashed at this time. And when he finished praying, I'm going to move the other way so I don't scare Melissa. It's coming, okay? It's coming. Don't get scared. So he, whenever, whenever he finished praying, he stood there and it says with a loud voice, he said, Lazarus! Out now. That's the exact words that it uses. Lazarus, out now. I've heard someone say that he had to say Lazarus because if he didn't say Lazarus, every grave would have opened and everyone would have come up now. So Lazarus now began to come out. And the important part of this, it says, remember this for next week. He came out bound hand and foot in the grave clothes with a napkin across his face. Remember that for next week for Easter. Jesus said, loose him 
and let him go. Loose him and let him go one of these days, folks. That's going to be you and I. One of these days, it says, with a loud command, a loud shout, that the Lord is going to make the loud shout, and the trump is going to sound, and the angel is going to descend with him, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And those who are alive and remain will be snatched up, harpazoed, it says, will be snatched up together with him. And there we get to be forever in the presence of the Lord. Every time little Malachi spends the night with me, he always looks at me and says, I want to stay forever. One of these days, oh, we're waiting on you to come, Lord, and one of these days we're going to be able to say, I want to stay with you forever. And he's going to say, okay, forever's here. Get up now and rise and come on on up with me. You see, what carried Martha and Mary from falling apart during this time was what they heard at the feet of Jesus. We need to spend time with him and his word and his promises so that we can handle life, so we have faith in him and also so that after that, We will be with him forever when he says, Christians, out now. I've come for you. And we're going to be together with him. Now, this has taken me longer than what I thought to get here. John 12, we've got to flip the page. Like Bob Seger said, turn the page. John 12, third time that they cross paths now. You know I was going to do the whole message today on John 12. (laughs) We didn't get there. So that'll be for a couple years from now. We'll do it again and just concentrate on 12, okay? So we're going to run through this one quickly. Okay, John 12, it says now as it starts out that in six days the Passover is going to be here. So that means Jesus has about six days to live. So in six days the Passover is going to be here and he's going to be captured and crucified. And he's been teaching them about his death and resurrection and what's been coming up. And... They realized, Martha and Mary did, the students that's been sitting at his feet, what's going to happen. Not the apostles yet. The disciples, they still ain't got it. Peter's going to fight to the end saying, Lord, I got a sword. They ain't coming after you. And he's like, yeah, they are. Put it down. <laughs> okay. They don't understand yet, but Martha and Mary understands. They know it well. What's going to happen? So this time what we find is Martha in the kitchen. And this time it's okay to serve. You know why? It's a celebration of power over sin and death. Because who we have in here, one of the other stories tells us that this is at the home of Simon the leper. And that Simon the leper's house is where this is taking place and Mary is serving. So leprosy represents sin. Simon represents the power of Jesus sitting right here because they couldn't be in his house if he was still a leper. He really should be called Simon the former leper because when Jesus went about doing all of his healing works, he healed some lepers. This evidently is one because no one is healed of leprosy unless God does it. And he did that there. So we got Simon the former leper, power over sin. And we got 
Lazarus, who just rose a few days ago from four days in the tomb. So we got the power over death. And this is a celebration of who and what Jesus is before he goes to the cross. And so you've got this going on. And now Martha can serve away because now she's in service to the Lord and she's got her doctrine straight. And Mary, bless her heart, she's saying, what can I do? What's my gift, my talent? What can I do to give back to the Lord for what all he's done for me what all he has done for me in my life and she says this I know I know I've got this alabaster box that I've been saving for a special occasion and what's more special than today I'm going to take that box and I'm going to open it and I'm going to put the whole thing and anoint him as worship to him And it's going to say that the aroma of that filled the room. You know, your worship to God, it says in the word of God, is like a sweet aroma arising up. Your prayers are like the aroma of incense going up. There's a sweet aroma when worship to God takes place. And so she says, I'm going to open this up. And if you you look... In the original, like I do when I go through here, it says it was a Roman pounds worth. And that's 12 ounces. 12 ounces of pure spikenard essential oil that was very costly. It says that it was worth a year's wages, a full year's wages at that time that she poured out and anointed on his feet. And then she let the hair down to not waste anything and to 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 wipe our Lord and Again, there's always going to be detractors that's going to try to take away the glory. And Judas got mad and he, he started berating her and saying, that should have been used for the poor. And Jesus shut him up. He said, look at the hand, boy. Said, you leave her alone. Because what she's done is to glorify me and to prepare me for my burial. So I'm going to tell you, your worship, when you begin to learn and appreciate the Lord and what he has done for you then you're willing to do all that you can for him and give your all and I'm going to take a moment now as we get ready to prepare our minds and our hearts for the worship this week and next and to think about the week coming up we've got a bottle here of spikenard essential oil and I'm going to walk around. I want the uh, worship team to come on up first. And if any of you want a drop, just a drop of this on your hand to smell what Jesus was anointed with and to smell the worship, the aroma that filled the room, you can take a drop. Anybody in the audience, I, I want, we're here, we're, here to, we're, we're here to take a little bit of time today, okay? Because we're worshiping, and I want this aroma of worship to fill the room. So, raise your hands, come on up. How about I just start with this side and, and move, move on over? Now, 
we're getting a drop. I want you to think about this whole bottle's like a half an ounce. I want you to think about 12 ounces of pure nard getting placed upon our Savior. Do you not think that the room and the aroma filled the room? I wanted this to really make an impression today. Something that you'll remember every time you read this story and think about the worship that she prepared. You're welcome. Did I get everyone? Did ever anyone get missed? Spikenard. Pretty strong, isn't it? What do you just think that's a that's a drop? Just think of 12 ounces completely poured out. I don't know about you, but I can just still smell this 
Can you imagine the aroma that filled the room? Worship. The aroma of her worship filled the room. Yes. No. <laughs> Tastes like evergreens. Okay. For right now, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I tell you what I do. I I make uh, I make homemade soap. Uh, I get on Amazon and I order a, a base of goat milk soap, and I like to to make a few bars of spikenard, and I use it to wash and wash my hair with, and to smell that each day reminds me of my Savior and what He did for me, and how He was anointed before He went to the cross. To die for my sins. I wanted to share that aroma with you. And I pray. That it will be special. And that you'll never forget that. And that you'll know that your worship. And your service. Is never overlooked by the Lord. But it ain't about what we do. It's about what he's done for us. And what he's going to do. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for the power that's within your word. The power of God unto salvation. Father, thank you for your son that he did not say that I'm going to just continue to enjoy the pleasures of heaven and stay here and not go down there to that world and go through all of that for people that really don't understand. But he thought that it not robbery to remain equal with God, but to leave and to come as a human. To dwell with us, to feel our pain and our temptation and our sorrow. You know, that scripture there just said Jesus wept. He, he felt all of that so he could be a loyal high priest and to know what we actually feel and go through so he can represent us. And Father... Thank you, thank Jesus, thank the Spirit for the work that you all do for us. And in, in all humbleness, we pray that as we've gathered together here today, that our songs, our prayers, our exposition of the Word has all been, Father, to glorify you, to praise you and exalt you for who and what you are, and more importantly, for what you've done for us, just want you to know how grateful we are and we say thank you in Jesus name amen